quick announcements and then we'll welcome this morning. Um, uh, it's, uh, as, we, as we carry through, we're going to go through, uh, through chapter 50, through the life of the patriarchs. Uh, it's, uh, it's a good message this morning and I pray a bless you. And if you wonder why we have somebody come up and pray over myself and whoever's doing the children's message just because of how we value the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, whenever I preach, I don't want you to hear from Ryan, though you're hearing my words and you're, you're thinking, uh, man, I'm glad he didn't wear a tie. That means I don't have to wear a tie. Or you might be thinking, I can't believe that preacher doesn't wear a tie. I, I don't know your thoughts, but you make a judgment on me, uh, on, your, on whoever's preaching, how they present themselves. But I just want you to know that we, we want to teach God's Word. We want you to hear from his word and, and not particularly our opinions or our thoughts. And so uh, we prepare in, in, in much prayer. So I want the spirit to speak to us. Hey, somebody hit, uh, if the, let's hit like number two on the light because it keeps changing. And there we go. Good. I feel like I was in a Fruity Pebbles commercial. So <laughs> anyways, um, this morning we're going to be back in uh, the book of Genesis chapter 14. Uh, and, uh, you know, we kind of dropped it off uh, last week and when we saw that there was this uh, conflict uh, that arose and we kind of went through that process, the conflict between Lot and, and Abram and, and also the other inhabitants of the land as, as uh, they, you know, Abram went through that really devastating, horrible thing that, that he did as they faced a conflict and famine and went to Egypt and he uh, was deceptive, and, and we saw in this next story, though, as they came back into the land, the famine's still present, there's problem with resources, and he begins to respond in faith. He begins to make decisions in worship, and we see how he, uh, he just didn't take things on in his own hands, but he sought what the God wanted. Uh, Lot didn't do that, uh, and there's much more that could be pulled out of that text, but uh, we do remember that um, you know, in, in, in this decision uh, that Abram had to make, he made it in the midst of a life of worship to choose, uh, you know, he would not go and take the fertile land down in the valley, which is now the Dead Sea, but where the Jordan River is. He would stay, um, you know, back, back towards the west. And he, he trusted God, even if the, the short-term outcome wasn't the best according to what the eyes show. Uh, but we see Lot's decision uh, to reside down in the valley. And, and we see as we read this text here in just a moment, it said that he went and he pitched his tent in the, in the plain and, and he, he pitched his tent down towards Sodom. And we're going to see that he actually now has moved on over into Sodom. He's right there in the middle of it. And, and we'll learn that Sodom is not a good place. It was a big city. It had a lot of trappings, a lot of worldly trappings that weren't godly. And I think we see in the text that Lot's heart is revealed why he chose to move that direction. Uh, and thankfully, Abram went through the circumstance in Egypt as he's learning to trust the Lord and, and his promises and walk in his, in, in his faith. You know, he didn't choose to go that direction. Uh, if Lot could have done it all over again, really, if we go and we're going to look at the rest of his life, I'm going to tell you, he wished he could have gone back and do it all over again. I don't know if you've ever had those thoughts, you're wishing, I wish I could do it all over again, uh, but here's, here's, what you, here's what I do know, if you have air in your lungs, if you have a heart beating in your chest, you have an opportunity to follow the Lord. It doesn't matter your past, and praise God for that. I would not be here today uh, if, uh, if you know, my sin 
would disqualify me. Uh, God has a plan for my life, and he's still doing that plan. He has a plan for your life. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. Praise God for that. But we need to look to what is next. And as you make the decision, the title uh, of the sermon I put, Do You Trust Your Gut? Now, I say that because... You know what I mean, and I and I'm, I'm you know whenever we you know we have a decision to make, sometimes it's a rapid, quick decision. You know, you said, "Oh, well, I just trusted my gut." Maybe, maybe the the best question should be, uh, you know, what is your gut trusted to do? Uh, but uh, we see here, Lot makes this quick decision, and it turns out to be a really bad decision. Uh, but but but. Abram was searching for what God wanted. And we're going to go through this story as to what happened to Lot as a result of some of these decisions. And, and what happened with Abram um, as he had to be obedient and follow the Lord's path, but what it accomplished in him. So follow along with me as we look to God's word. Uh, we will now read Genesis chapter 14. And you are going to have to bear with me. Because these are some fun names to read, but I'm going to read them. In those days, King Amprathel of Shinar, King Arioch of Elasar, King uh, Keldolamir of Elam. And I just want to say this, by the way. Some of you said, man, I can't. It's really good how you say those. If I don't know how to pronounce it, I just wing it. And I try to make it sound good, okay? Um, King Tidal of uh, Gum. Guim, that's not how you say it, but there it is, waged war against King Bera of Sodom, King Bersha of Gomorrah, King Shinabab of Admah, and King Shimabir of Zebulim. Nope, that's not it either. But as well as the king of Bela, that is Zor, all of, of these came as allies to the Siddim Valley, that is the Dead Sea. They were subject to, I do know what it is, Kedorian Lumir for 12 years, but in the 20, uh, 13th year they rebelled. In the, in the 14th year, Kedorian and the kings who were with him came and defeated the Raphim of Ashtaroth uh, Karim and Zuzim in Ham and Imim in Shiva uh, Kirathim and the Horites in the mountains of Seir and as far as El Paran by the wilderness. Then they came back to invade in Ispath, that is Kadesh. And they defeated the whole territory of the Amalekites and as well as the Amorites who were in Hazaran Tamor. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of uh, Zibium, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out and lined up for the battle in the Siddim Valley against King Kedemalir of Elam, King of Tadal of uh, King Tadal of uh, Goam, and King these other kings, four kings against five. Now the Sinem Valley contained many asphalt pits, and as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, but the rest fled to the mountains. Uh, the four kings took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all the and all their food went and went on. They also took Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions for he was living in Sodom and uh, then went, out, went on. One of the survivors came and told Abram, the Hebrew who lived near the oaks belonging to Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eschol and the brother of Anir. They were bound by a treaty with Abram. When Abram heard this, uh, that his relative had been taken prisoner, he assembled his 318 trained men, both 
uh, born in his household, and they went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he and his servants deployed against them by night and defeated them and pursued them as far as Hobah to the north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods and also his relative lot and his goods, as well as the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kaladomir and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the Shiva Valley, that is, the king's valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of, to God most high. He blessed him and said, Abram has, uh, is blessed by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high. He who has handed over your enemies to you. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people, but take the possessions for yourself. But Abram said to king Sodom, I have raised my hand in an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or sandal strap strap or anything that belongs to you so you can never say I made Adam rich I will take nothing except what the servants have eaten but as for this for the share of the men who came with me and near Eskol and Mamre they take their share they can take their share now thank you very much I appreciate that but I want to I want to kind of explain what all this means, okay? Because it's kind of hard to, to to track in the middle of all that information. But basically, uh, this is a map of of where all these things are taking place up in here. Uh, I'm going to just kind of take you through it just for a second because it's really important geography. As we, if you can't study scripture without knowing about some of this geography, you see that Elam. That's one of those. Uh, places we're talking about here, but uh, this is called the Fertile Crescent, okay? Egypt is down here. Here's uh, where modern-day Israel is. There's Damascus and Syria, but this is part of Iraq and Saudi Arabia and Iran. And basically, this is an, just a vital trade route right here in that valley. That's where all this action is taking place. And what's happened is, is, uh, is that Abram came all the way from Ur. Now, he just didn't go here. He had to go up and around because this is an amazing desert that's still there today. And so he came all the way around here and then he had the famine and then he kind of, there in Beersheba, then he came on into Egypt and had to go back up uh, and he's up around Mamre and, and there's this decision between him and Lot and Lot goes down here in the valley, uh, which is the Jordan Valley. Here at the end is the Dead Sea where Sodom and Gomorrah is. It, it, it's, it's a desert today. I had, I had the opportunity to travel there in seminary. Uh, but back then, it wasn't as nasty as it is now. It was still a hard place, but, but Abram stayed up here. But what was going on? We have kind of the secular history happening here that we're learning about, and then we hear also what's going on in the biblical history. I want you to know that the secular history and the biblical history is the same history. It's one and the same. Uh, and so we need to pay attention to all of it and see how God works in it. But basically, um, the the... This ruler over here, there's a, these, these four kings of this big kingdom area had come and, and conquered all this land. And there's five kings in this valley. There's even still today, right here on, up, up, on the, this, uh, up here on the side here, on the other side of the Jordan, it's called the King's Highway. Uh, but whoever controlled this controlled the trade route and were very wealthy. 
And these fellers came down, and this is going to be throughout the whole Old Testament until the Romans finally just take it over. But we see here, whoever controls this controls the wealth. And so these, these are major kingdoms in here, and they came and they subjugated these five city-states. And there was, they held it for 12 years, but in the 13th year, there was a rebellion. Well, these big, strong city-states, they came back and marched against these five states, and they basically whipped them in a big old battle. But whenever they whipped him in this big old battle, word came to Abram that his, his nephew Lot ha- had been taken captive. And so Abram, um, he remembered the blessing that God had given him. And it says he took these 318 men and he basically goes to battle and he pursues them. And it's, I, I just want to try to put this in context. It is utterly amazing that Abram won this victory. Because there are these four kings that, are, that are, control all this. They're powerful. And Abram went up there. He had a forced night at March. He was cunning. It was at nighttime. But basically, the Lord moved through those 318 men for the purposes of God, and he whipped their tail. Okay? And so then it says he comes back down um, with, with, with all these possessions. He took all these possessions, and he comes back to where all this this point of conflict begins. And that's kind of where I want us to camp out uh, just for a moment as to what happened in in the middle of this success. Um, And and, and I do want to kind of capture the the whole picture of what does this story mean. Here's something else too as as I preach. Hopefully preachers do this. Hopefully this preacher always does. We have the text and we, we want to understand who are the original recipients and, and what is the purpose of this text to these recipients, but what is the value to us? And, and here, here's, here's one of the greatest things, if you don't take much else from, from what I'm going to tell you today, is the successes and victories that are accomplished in our lives, okay? Every single bit of that success needs to be given credit to God, not credit to ourselves. And we see, I mean, we see this amazing thing that occurred through Abram and through his men. And, and he comes back and, and he, he is going to um, have an opportunity here to take great credit and, be, and, and become very famous amongst these five kingdoms. But we see God's intervention uh, is that is about to take place. I mean, I, I mean just, just think about it, uh, what, what he accomplished. Think about the great things that you've accomplished. Who do you give credit to? And is it, is it tempting sometimes to grab a hold of that victory and, and uh, keep it all for yourself? We see here in the latter part of the text, I won't go back and read through it, but it says, as, as Abram went and he conquered these fellows and he's coming back, um, down and he's approaching Sodom. In fact, let, let, me, go, let me go back and find it specifically. Uh, after Abram returned from defeating that king and all the other kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him uh, in the Shiva Valley. That is the king's valley. And, and so just imagine, and, and remember, this is Sodom, okay? You know about Sodom. You've heard about Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to get into greater detail. 
and, and, and kind of what the text reveals about this fellow. But here comes Abram, had gone, and I mean, really, th- this king and these other kings had, had been defeated and fled, and all their possessions were taken from the city and from the battle, and it was all carried off. Abram went and got every single bit of it, and he's bringing it back down. And then this fellow, this king from, of Gomorrah, uh, he, he, has, uh, he has an agenda here, okay? He's wanting to endear himself to Abram. Abram is mighty. Abram's accomplished something significant. Uh, and, he's, and he's fixing to really just start puffing him up. Just tell him how awesome he is. Tell him what, what amazing things he's accomplished. Um, and and I, I don't really know how... I mean, you get, I mean, I, I don't know how Abram would have responded except for the intervention of the Lord here. We see some intervention happening here because uh, I, I think there's a temptation for Abram, um, now, who isn't very, very far removed from the Egypt experience whenever he, you know, kind of, you know, misconstrued who his wife was to save his own skin. And he's going to be given an opportunity to take great credit for what just happened. But God intervenes. And I, I just, I just, I just want to say this. Um, guys, the next time, uh, and I think I know I've used this text. I'm going to give you, I've used it several times, maybe just a few weeks ago. But I'm, as we specifically talk about accomplishing great things, being successful, even in big things and small things, uh, there is always a temptation to take credit for, for something. Um, but, but I'm so grateful whenever God intervenes to keep us from sin. And I want you to know he will always do that. And we see a picture here, but the, the text specifically is I want to point you to is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with a temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you might be able to bear it. And, and let's, see, let's see exactly what he does here. How does he provide a way out for Abram? As Abram, I mean, he didn't want to have anything to do with this battle. He had stayed as far away from that mess as he could through the Lord leading him, but he had to go down into it, and he won this amazing victory. He's got all these riches and all this wealth, and he's going, and he's fixing to inter- interact with, with, uh, with the king of Sodom. But then, as he goes to meet this man... Uh, the scripture says, it's kind of one of those, it doesn't say but God, but it's one of those kind of those opportunities. So it says that he goes out to meet him in the Shiva Valley, that's the king of Sodom. Then it says in verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest to God most high. We have not heard this guy's name once. He just comes out of the blue. Now it says he's the king of Salem. Uh, I, you know, I think I, I'm very confident. There, there, there's some different opinions about who Melchizedek is, but the king of Salem, that's pointing to Jerusalem. He was, that, that's, that later will become Jerusalem. Uh, and, and it's kind of confusing because the scriptures point here to the man that he was a priest of the Most High God. He is a priest of Yahweh, but he's the king of Salem. Uh, the book of Hebrew talks about him. He's mentioned in, in the book of First Kings. But, but it's as though God saw Abram coming from this amazing victory. He's going to become, come in the, before all these pagan kings these, with these worldly trappings and offerings. But God sends an intervention. 
and Melchizedek is there. Some people think Melchizedek uh, is, is uh, you know, a pre-manifestation uh, of Christ uh, before Bethlehem. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't think you should make more of the text than what the text makes of itself. But there are some important things to think about here, especially as we look to leaders. Now's a good season to think about that in this election season. Um, the king of Sodom here, he is a king and a politician. He's got an agenda here. He's got something he wants to accomplish. He knows that Abram has all of his stuff, and he wants to get some of that stuff back, if not all of it. Melchizedek is a king, and he's also a priest. There's only two people in all of Scripture that's described as a king and a priest, Melchizedek and also Jesus. The book of Hebrews makes that point. Now, it says that, that Jesus is, uh, it, it was the same type of king and priest like Melchizedek. It doesn't put them on the same footing at all. But he, he intervenes, and there is an opportunity here for, for Abram to make a decision. What is he going to do? And, and, and the opportunity um, is, is, is met well by Abram. It says that Melchizedek interacted, came before um, Abram, before the king of Sodom could get a word out of his mouth. I'm so grateful for this story. And he basically pronounces the blessings that are, that are promised, uh, you know, in the Abrahamic covenant that we've been talking about for several weeks now. God's promises, his word, his covenant, his, his commitment. And because of Abram's response here, we're going to see that this covenant is going to be formalized in chapter 15, but he basically talks about the blessing and, and how amazing uh, God has reigned and how God has triumphed in the middle of all this conflict here. It's, it's a great story. Um, and then we see something else interesting occur here. And again, I don't want to make too much of it um, because uh, it says that, that whenever Abram met Melchizedek, just imagine it, let it be set up for you. I mean, we got these, this, this whipped up king and maybe some of those other kings are standing there and, you know, they're, they're kind of just, you know, just waiting to how they can manipulate the situation. And, and, and all they represent, they represent the world, folks. When you dive in and study Sodom and Gomorrah's history, it is the grotesque picture of what the world becomes without God. That's them. And, and they're waiting to, 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 to sink their teeth and to manipulate Abram. But the Melchizedek shows up and intervenes. And then it says after he hears the blessing from Melchizedek, Abram recognizes who he is. And he says that he gives them a tenth of the possessions that are his. And here's something else, too. Vict- to the victors go the spoils. And uh, the, the king, these, four, these five kings know that, especially the king of Gomorrah. He knows that all the stuff that, that used to belong to them that was taken away, and Abram went and took it all, it all belongs to Abram now, every single one of it, every single bit of it. And he has all these possessions. And he says he gave a tenth away. Now, some will point to, oh, see, there it is. There's a, there's a picture of biblical tithing. Uh, even, even before it was instituted in the, in the, uh, in, in the covenant with Moses, and, and you know, there, there's, and it, it's a great principle we see in Scripture. It doesn't say here that Abram gave a, ten, a tithe of everything he owned, and that's kind of that picture. But it, it, what it is, is, is Abram is giving God the glory for the victory he just had. He recognizes Melchizedek as this amazing king and priest from the one true God and he gives a tithe he stops before anything else happens and he gives God glory 
He just doesn't take a knee and do this, you know, and point to the, to the air, you know, like someone scoring a touchdown. He, he, he has some, some meat to his words, and he gives this tithe. And then, I love the next part, then he turns and he looks right at this other king. Who was, I mean, really, if Melchizedek didn't show up, there's a chance that, that, that Abram just crumbles here. I, I'm weak sometimes. When temptation comes, if God doesn't intervene, doesn't mean I have to listen to God. I'm so thankful he gives us a way out. He gives us an opportunity. But, but Abram responds. It's kind of like God was grabbing a hold and say, remember here, bud, this wasn't you. This wasn't you. This was me. How about you guys? Whenever we go through something significant and we see something great happen, do, is the Holy Spirit reminding us, this isn't you. This isn't you. It's the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, it can't happen if you're not walking in worship. It can't happen if you're not living in his word. Abram has been doing that since the Egypt experience. But, but this happens here, and he is reminded. And so whenever he then faces this king from Gomorrah, you know, I mean, he just, the king of Gomorrah just saw Abram give 10% of all this stuff he just took to Melchizedek as an offering. So I don't know if he's like, well, maybe we're going to get our stuff back. Maybe he's going to be benevolent. Uh, Maybe he's getting worried. I don't know. I mean, is he going to keep it now? I love his response. He said, you can have everything else that's left here. I want nothing of you. I'm going to leave it right here. You know, we're going to take what the men ate. Evidently, his men came back and they had a meal and Probably a little bit of, you know, celebration, but it said, you can have that. And, and these other men that came with me that aren't a part of my family and my house, they can have their share. But I want nothing of you. What is he saying there? What is he saying? But guys, he, he's saying that, that he wants nothing of this world. He recognizes God's intervention. He wants God's blessing. He has tasted and he has seen and he has made a decision as a man growing in faith. He's still not perfect. He still has this lying problem we'll get to here in a few weeks. But he has shown that he is a man that loves the things of God. 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. I started the sermon, Do You Trust Your Gut? What decision would you have made in that situation? Uh, would you be tempted with all? Would you be tempted with all that worldly possession? Would you be tempted with all the things that the world has to give you? And you know, I, I got to just say, man, I know my weaknesses. I know my struggles. Um, you know, and, and uh, we, we face struggles, me and Rachel, just like the rest of you do. We're raising a young family, and how expensive this world is and, the, and, and so many opportunities for good activities to be a part of. And there's just so much, I mean, man, an, an, an extra 100000 would be great. Maybe I'll just take that and, you know, I, I don't know how you would respond. But, but I just want you to know, what is your gut leading you to do? And your gut will only lead you to make good decisions if you've prepared it. Are you walking in worship? Is your heart for the Lord? 
And, and, and if it's not, if you know good and well um, that you're living for this world and not for this king, I want you to know God's got a different plan. Man, and, and, and look at God's grace in this story. Look at his grace in this story. Lot, it's revealed from, from, last, from last week, he, he chose to go down there where Gomorrah was. And it says he pitched his tent down in the valley towards Gomorrah. Now, I mean, he, he's almost, it was, as you read along, and he, stay, he still stayed behind the fool. And he stuck there. He wanted the world. He wanted all that stuff. But I'm so grateful God moving in Abram sent Abram to rescue him. And we're going to see Lot get rescued over and over again. But he keeps turning back and going for the world. And I want you to know eventually it catches up with him. It catches up with him. I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ. I don't know if you are walking with Christ. I can give a testimony that you can fake it and put on a perfect facade and act like you're following Jesus whenever your heart is for the world. But I want you to know that there is going to come a time whenever you are going to give a full account of your life and you're going to be held responsible. And I want you to know that God wants you to be rescued. Are you following Christ? And if you're saying yes, and you, you, you can say it's not perfect, but I am following him, I want you to know God's got a plan for your life. I said earlier that there's only a couple of people in Scripture uh, that, are, that are called king and priest. But look what Peter says here about us. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If we have been saved, we're saved to give God glory in all things. We are promised heaven, but it's not just for us. A priest is someone that stands in the gap, that is used by God to, 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 to offer offerings, and to, as Melchizedek did, to be used by God to offer a way out. We have a role on this earth. If we're not living for this earth, we're living for heaven. doesn't mean we just go huddle up somewhere and just sing praises and hymns and wait for heaven. We're on a rescue mission for the rest of our lives, living for the king, and to bring people into his kingdom. Are you trusting your gut? Is your gut for the Lord? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you, Father, for your work of redemption and salvation, God. Thank you that you will offer a way out every time. But, Father, I know uh, with experience, Father, that, Lord, we can push your hand away. But this morning as we close our time of worship and hearing from your word, God, I pray Lord, that we would be receptive to your grace. If there's anybody in this place this morning, Father, that does not have a personal relationship with you, King Jesus, Father, and they want to know what it means to be completely forgiven of sin, and they want to be a part of a a faith family, Father, where they can grow strong and to be sent out, Father, to rescue people in your name, with your power, for your purposes. Father God, would you call people out this morning that will pursue you, Father, there's someone this morning, Father, that knows that they need help. Father God, would you give them the help that they need? Father, I don't know what you are saying to our hearts this morning. Father, but I pray you're speaking clearly and loudly right now in your spirit. So, Father, as you call people to respond, Lord, would you please enable us to do it 
for your glory. Stand on your feet. If God's called you to respond some way, as we sing this song, if you go ahead and stand up, if God has called you to just respond where you stand, you respond. But if God's called you to come and ask for prayer or ask for help or say, I want to talk about salvation, I want to talk about eternity, or I want to talk about this rescue mission you talked about, whatever it is, you respond to God. Don't leave here if he's calling you. We'll sing a song. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross and the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown oh the old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me For the dear Lamb of God left His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies and last I lay down and I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown Father thank you for your rescue Lord thank you for the salvation that you offer Father, for the, Lord, the tragedy 